Welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church, Accra. And now, the message. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Master, we thank you, we praise you, and we love you. Because you first loved us. You love us so much that you gave your very best for us, even Jesus Christ. But above all, you left us your word, the Bible, to instruct us about how to live for you, what to look out for, what the world will be like in the times in which we live, but eventually when you come again. Help us to be wise and to live daily to please you. In the preaching and teaching of your word, bring healing, direction, correction, and above all, inspire us to love you and to serve you and to serve humanity. Listen much more. I ask in Jesus, your holy name. Amen. As we continue to study the book of Luke, today we'll move in chapter 9, but we'll be talking from verse 23 to 27. Because earlier on, we were a little bit out of sync since we had to use the same text to preach on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. By Luke's narrative, we now come to a critical point in verses 23 to 27, where we can pick the story again and see what the Lord is telling us and how we are to live our lives to please God and to honor Him. Those of us who live on this side of the cross, that is after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you are a believer in Him and you've been following the Christian calendar, this coming Sunday, tomorrow, that's if you are listening to me this Saturday, tomorrow will be celebrated all across the major Christian world as Pentecost Sunday, the birthday of the church, when the Lord promised his disciples power. When that power descended on them and transformed them to be live wires in their community, to preach, to teach, to heal, to correct, and that fire is still burning. May it burn in your heart. May it focus you on your mission and the purpose in this world. May it cause you to believe that Christ is the answer and he has sent you on mission and you will never and ever disappoint him. In Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 27, we find Jesus telling people who were following him that it's good to follow me, but I want you to move on and become disciples. So he's teaching them here about the terms of discipleship. The terms of discipleship is the message for today. But let us read from verse 23 to 27. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Powerful scripture given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, earlier on, 
Jesus had told them that he was going to bear the cross for humanity. He came to bear the cross for us, to die on our behalf, to die as a sacrifice for sins, to die to show us that we must be willing to live for God, if even that will lead to our death. Because there will be burial and there will be resurrection. But now he's saying that those who follow him should follow him seriously. They must be his disciples. We as pastors and preachers have taught people to come and follow Jesus, to come and receive him as Savior, which is good. But that is the beginning point. I like to give the picture that it's like enrolling somebody in a school. Yes, children's first day in school, they are so excited. Sometimes they are excited because they have other friends, they are wearing school uniform, and in some good schools, they eat food, good food, and they are so happy to go to school. But you see, when you go to KG or you go to primary school, that is only the beginning. If you are brilliant and sharp and you work hard, there'll be a terminal point where you graduate, where you are now a man or woman with your own qualification and you earn a living and also have your own family. So that process of taking you to a primary school, to the beginning point, to the KG, it's like being born again. It gives you the right, the entitlement, the salvation, the power, and all that it takes for you to be in that school. But then, as you move from the primary to the secondary to the tertiary, you are being discipled, you are being groomed, and your success at the end of it all, all things being equal, depends on what you do with what you are taught. Jesus wants us to understand that, yes, it's good to come and follow him and be born again, be born again. But then the real deal is to become his disciple. A disciple is somebody who has been trained to be like the master, trained to bring the best out of you, trained to lead the life that God wants you to lead, trained to do what God has called you to do, trained to love the way God wants you to love, trained to sacrifice the way God wants you to sacrifice. That is what the terms of discipleship looks at today. We have to bear the cross. If you wish to follow Jesus Christ, you have to bear the cross. So today we'll look at the terms of discipleship. And if those who come to him do not follow him, it is because they want to follow the world. But there are only two choices he gives here. Everybody follows something. Either you are following Jesus completely and serving him and he's your Lord, you are his disciple, or you are following the world and you are a materialist. The things you can feel, the things you can touch, the things you can hear, those are the things you are following. And Jesus gives his judgment of what will happen to those who only love this world and love the flesh and love themselves. And above all, he tells us something about the reward that will come to those who love him because they are being disciplined by him, discipled by him. You see, discipline and discipleship, they sound almost the same. Yes, because it takes discipline to be a disciple. So what did Jesus say? Terms of discipleship. See, if anybody wants to follow me, he has called you. If you want to keep following him to be his disciple, if you have gone to this football camp and you want to be known as a good footballer, you must do something. A good student, you must do something. Jesus gives three terms for discipleship. Say, first, a person must deny himself or herself. Secondly, they must be willing to take the cross and take it daily. And thirdly, they must follow 
Jesus. What does it mean? A person must deny himself. We have the tendency to indulge ourselves and do exactly what we desire. You see, if you feel like doing it, do it. Feel like following the group, do it. Do what is popular, what is necessary, what brings you comfort. So satisfy your appetites, your urges, be part of the crowd, do whatever is necessary. Boast about it, react, and don't be disciplined. Do whatever your flesh wants to do. But Jesus tells us that the believer must deny himself daily by discipline and to control the loving and the craving and sacrificing, and giving, helping, and ministering. You must do other things, things that satisfy your master. So deny yourself of these things. Oh, they are good. Sometimes they make you feel good. They make you feel good. But you'll be feeding the flesh and feeding the flesh fat. And you'll not be following your master. But loving, caring, forgiving, sacrifices, giving, helping others and ministering means you are denying yourself. You are saying no to the flesh. And yes, to the things that do not come to you naturally. And God's power, the Pentecostal power, will help you to do that. Then he says, you must take up your cross daily. Do it daily. Isn't it amazing what Jesus tells us? Yes, every day has its own challenge. No day is the same. He says, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily, 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 daily. Oh, my dear listening friend, every day has its challenges. There's good news every day. There's bad news every day, and we have the opportunity every day to choose what to hear, to choose what to believe. And that is why it is good to pray to the Lord every day. Lord, lead me. Lord, guide me. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren world. I am weak, but you are mighty. Guide me and lead me, because he wants you to do it daily. He feeds you daily. I told that his mercies are renewed daily. He gives us sunshine daily. He gives us food daily. He gives us breath hourly, moment by moment. You can do that. And thirdly, if you are going to be a disciple, you must be following Jesus. Be sure you are following him. He's the one who you are following. Because there are other voices out there. The voice of the flesh, the voice of the devil, the voice of politics, the voice of economics, the voice of science. They are out there. And they may all be good. They may all be saying whatever. So our tendency is to follow someone else and to give first allegiance to them. Maybe your school club. It may even be your religion, your church. Maybe recreation. Maybe your hobby. Maybe your education, your profession, your business. All kinds of things can take your attention. If you take your time and think through what you spend your day doing, what you spend your money doing, what you spend your daily time thinking about, what you spend your time reading and all of that. Compare that. Are you really, really a master of the word of God? Are you doing the things of God? So Christ gives you a criteria to judge yourself. You must deny yourself. And that means taking up your cross daily and following him. And that is what he says brings you closer to him. Because you are going to be like him. You'll be able to hear his voice. He will talk to you. He will lead you. 
will guide you. You'll be known in the course of heaven by your voice that is there in praying and reading the word of God and thinking about it and talking to others about it. And gradually you see that you are being transformed and transformed and transformed. You are walking in the spirit and therefore not walking according to the flesh. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, he says, Be followers therefore of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling silver. So, let us do that. And that is what he expects of us. So the discipleship, we must carry our cross and follow it daily. And he says, if you don't do that, what are you giving your life to? Well, maybe giving your life to this world. You'll be a materialist, worldly person, a carnal Christian. Jesus here doesn't mean worse. Luke 9, 24. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save, will save it. He says it's clear. He gives you warning. See, the warning is clear. He's saying you have life. And earthly life passes away quickly. How long will you live in this world? 30, 40, 50, 80, 100. Very soon it will be gone. It's fading. We are aging. It is getting decomposed. We have sicknesses. We have all kinds of things that challenge us. And nobody is going to live forever. So when you see people aging, or when we are born, we are young, we are strong. But you see us aging, losing your teeth. You cannot see very well, wearing glasses, hearing aid, cannot even jump and fly as you to do. He says to say, if you are trying to save your life, as if you are trying to do everything in this world to please yourself, having all these cosmetic surgeries and having all this diet and all these as important as they are, giving your, your life to street life of discipline, of dieting, of fasting, exercise, as good as these things are, if your only purpose is to save your life, he's telling you, you'll lose it because you cannot hoard life. You cannot keep all the good things in life and not become involved in giving and sacrificing to help those who don't have it. So if you are trying to build the houses and the mansions and the pleasures, and gathering the cars and all these toys, say you, you see, he said, don't worry. They pass away quickly. One good fire, one disaster, one storm, and they are gone. A thief visits you, they are gone. So they don't last forever. But rather, he says, spend your life for Christ. Not the words, for my sake. See, if you spend your life for my sake, see, the person who loses his life, that is, he works to please Christ on earth, who save his life forever. What does it mean? If you spend your life for my sake, you would have life eternally. What does it mean to spend your life for Christ? Can I give you three possible suggestions? First, it will mean spending your life to know God and to fellowship with God. There's a God who made you. You want to know him and to fellowship with this God. You see, let me just give you an exa another example. For instance, there are people who have a phone. And you see them doing wonderful things with their phone. Or you see them doing so many wonderful things with technology, with uh, robots, and with computers. 
Why? Because they have studied it. They've read the manual. They know how to manipulate this and that. And sometimes you see them and you are awed. And the only difference is that you may have that phone, but not know what to do with it. If you spend your time in your life with anything, you know it. If you're a specialist, a surgeon, a, a, a repairer, a mechanic, you study your job, you know it. Christ is saying anyone who spends their life with God and fellowship with God in reading, in meditating on the Word of God, in listening to the Spirit and follows the Spirit's direction, you are spending your life for my sake. You will gain it. You will grow spiritually. You will grow emotionally. You will grow to be sensitive to the things of the Spirit in this world. Say, yes, so spend your life to know God and fellowship with God. Spend time with Him and fellowship with Him. Secondly, is how to spend your life for Christ's sake. Is to know and have fellowship with the people of God. People of God. You cannot live your life in isolation. Everything in this world revolves around people. People are not perfect, so you are not perfect either. Are you in fellowship with anybody? any group of believers who you can love and serve, who can correct you. There are some who think they don't need anybody because they know a lot. No, we don't know everything. You need somebody and somebody needs you. And that is what it takes for us to grow. How will you know you are patient until somebody, somebody tests you? Somebody makes you angry. How do you know you, don't have, you are not jealous until you see something that somebody has? But you see, if you are fellowshipping with others and they are truly people who believe in the same cause, they would inspire you to do the right thing. They will inspire you to worship God as you pray to God, as you worship together, as you decide to do the good things, as you go out in giving food to the poor and the needy, as your attention is focused on all of these things, you'll be growing and growing and growing and being a disciple because you are being with him. Jesus said it. And let me remind you again how the disciples lived. See, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. That's Acts 2, 42. Yes, Acts 2, 42. They were fellowshipping with each other and they were growing together, supporting each other. Let that be your story as you spend time with others. That is how you spend your life for Christ and the cause of Christ by first meditating on him and his word, secondly, fellowshipping and being involved in the church and fellowship with other believers, third, helping the world bringing the attention of sinners, doing something about shame, and suffering. There are a lot of bad things that happen in this world, meaningless things, all because the devil is raging, politics is raging, economics, economy is bad, people are ignorant, sickness, diseases everywhere. But are you involved in any ministry in the name of Christ? People cherish this woman's memory, Mother Teresa, and there are many others while giving their life to the poor, to the needy, to the marginalized, helping them in the name of Christ. Are you doing any of those things? 
There are some who are lost. When you see them, you see they are lost. You may be calling them, oh, these are criminals, these are prostitutes, these are armed robbers. Yes, they may be so because they've never heard the good news. They've never been overwhelmed by the love of Christ, by the power of Pentecost. Will you be one of those people who will tell them the Lord loves them and therefore invite them into the kingdom? So, when the Lord says that you should not spend your life, you should not hoard your life, he's saying, what do you do? Spend your life for Christ. And I'm saying, spending your life for Christ means being in fellowship with God, being in fellowship with men and women, being out there, saving, bringing others out of shame and suffering and introducing them to Jesus who is the Lord, who is the Savior. That is what he expects you to be doing as his disciple. Not just be happy that you go to church, you sing in a choir, you are this and that, but you are engaged actively in him and he's transforming your life. And you can see yourself that I'm being transformed into the image of my maker, my redeemer, and my king. And I encourage you, be like him. You see, because he tells us something very interesting here. So if you are only living for this world, huh, what would it be like? So what, what is the benefit to a person who gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? Jesus, just think about it. He said, you, you are living for this world. He's asking you the question, what benefit is it for you? He said, think, think about it. Think about something. What benefit is it if you own the whole world, if you gain the whole world? Look, he's not talking about cars. He's not talking about houses. He's not talking about wives and children. Christ is asking you, even if you get the whole world, that's the whole world, the wealth of China, the wealth of America, the wealth of Ghana, if you are the richest person because you own the world, you are the billionaire. So listen to me. Those of you who envy billionaires, you know who the first 10 billionaires are, who the richest zillionaires are, who owns all those things. You know all of them. If they are not believers in Christ and using their wealth, he says, ask the question, of what benefit is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? You have land, you have wealth, you have pleasure, you have satisfaction, you have everything that you can think about. Think about Steve Jobs. Where is he? Think about the man who is reputed to do all kinds of good things in the world. Think about some of them whose marriages, unfortunately, are crumbling. And think about poor man or poor woman somewhere who is serving God, whose family is intact, who the Lord is helping. Jesus is asking you, when you spend your time gaining the whole world, where are you taking it? If you have the whole world, because nobody will gain it all. You cannot. You may pursue and do and gain a little land, wealth, honor, pleasure, canal satisfaction. You may gain some. And by all means, we need some of them here in this world, even to do the work of God. But if that is what you are living for, you cannot get it all. You will lose it. Of what benefit is that to you? So the Lord wants you. He wants you. And that, because when you do all of that at the expense of your eternal salvation, that's the second part. When you do all of these things, 
He said, what benefit is it? What benefit? Gain the whole world, yet you forfeit yourself. You the one who has all these things. You are totally lost. The things cannot help you. They cannot do anything for you. Think, think, think about it. And to help us keep our proper focus, in the next few minutes, let's take the last point that the Lord says here. He says, he is coming if you are ashamed of me. See, there are people who don't follow Christ because they are ashamed of him. They don't want to be known as believers. They don't want to be known as Christians. They don't want to be known as followers. Sometimes out of ignorance, but sometimes out of pride. Because who, who are you to tell me that somebody can save me? No, I make the money myself. I do everything myself. And I don't want to live by anybody's standard, any Jewish standard, any biblical standard, any standard from any book. So Jesus warns them in verse 26, Luke 9, 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the Holy Angel. Jesus is saying, you see, I'm the owner of this world. I am the owner of this world. Just think about this. You live in a country and you do not obey the laws of that country. You don't pay tax. You don't drive according to the rules. You speed. You do all the wrong things because you have money. And one day you are caught for overspeeding, for not paying your tax, or not paying your social security, or not doing the right things, or building without permit. What happens that day? Suddenly you see that if the laws of the land if the government in power, if the authorities are doing their work, then you have been foolish because you did not live according to the rules. You thought you were your own Ogboro. You are not discipled. You are not disciplined enough to know the rules and to follow them. And even in this world, they tell you, ignorance is no excuse before the law. And you may go to jail for many, many years. The Lord tells us, that, see, just like the owner or the ruler of a country can take an action against you, he, the Lord, is coming. He is the owner of this world and he's coming. And without doubt, he's coming. Luke 9, 26, he says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the holy angels. Look at how the Lord describes his coming. His coming with a threefold glory. First, there is his own glory as the exalted Messiah, as the Christ of God, as the one who came and disciplined himself and lived for men and women to redeem them by being focused. His coming with that glory, the reward that he receives by doing the will of God. He's coming with that first. Then he's coming with the glory of God and the splendor, the reward that comes from honoring God. God pours all of it on him. He's coming with it, unimaginable, but I want to be part of it because he, 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 he repeats it over and over again. He's coming with his own glory. He's coming with the glory of God in all the brilliance and splendor of his person. But thirdly, there's the glory that is coming with him the angels and their magnificence and their brightness and they will accompany him when he returns 
to judge the earth. When Christ comes in his glory, the materialist, the one who lived for this world, the one who lived outside him, the one who does not know him and is born again, will not be there. They will be judged. They will not experience God's grace and favor. Will you give your life to him today to escape that judgment? But above all, to allow him to train you and to guide you that when he comes, you will receive the reward he has for you. Because he says clearly in verse 27, the last verse here, and when he comes, I tell you the truth, you will receive eternal life. The reward of the disciple is God's kingdom. The believer enters the kingdom of God immediately upon believing, but also eternally they will be in the kingdom of God. Is that what you want to receive? I pray for you that you make the right choice today. And because the Lord, your Savior, wants you to live eternally with him, he's offering you a life of reward, a life of testimony, a life of power. Live for him. Receive the Pentecostal power and live for him. Lord, we thank you. We honor you for loving us and doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves, both now and evermore. Amen. This has been the radio broadcast by Calvary Baptist Church with Reverend Dr. Fred Digby, our senior pastor. We hope this message blessed you. Be sure to join us, God willing, next week, the same time and station. We are in Adabraka, opposite Mr. Big's restaurant, near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. Also in Shiashi, across the motorway from the Accra Mall and Botiano. Call us on 0243-690-485 or 0302-231-854. Contact us on WhatsApp at 0200-181-680. Visit us online at www.calvarybaptistgh.org. Write to us, Calvary Baptist Ghana at yahoo.com.